Hi, Mohammed. How are you doing? Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And you? Great. Uh, you are now in the second month, the second phase of the Parallect Accelerator with your startup Visa. Visca. Uh, yeah, Visca. How, how are things going? Uh, what are your general impressions of the work that's done so far? And just tell us a little bit about the progress. I mean, we are, we are doing a very good progress. During the last couple of weeks, we have almost finished the discovery phase. We, um, we've built and collect all the ideas that I've, I've worked personally and also um, uh, other teams into, into solid development plan to launch the MVP. The, the discovery phase was very tense. It's, uh, you can say it's deep work and deep mind uh, blowing between me, between me and the team and even um, other members just to take sure, make sure that we will we will put everything we need to make sure the MVP will be up and running and it it could be test the whole idea behind Visca. That's that's the first thing that we have finished. On on the same scale, we will launch a landing page version one, a very simple form where anyone actually now can go and just um, say, I want to move, I want to partner. We were just testing from where we get clicks or where we receive interest. And then this kind of interest have been changed our vision a little bit. We pivot a little bit, even at this very, very early stage, but it give us um, in-depth indication about what we can expecting next. I can tell you that we have learned the first thing that it's uh, we have to build a platform that address global problem, not just focus in one country on one region. The inquiries that we've received are various. Uh, they are from students, uh, people just like to visit or discover opportunities beyond their home country or the country of residence. And we also receive a couple of handful people would like to partner with us even if we don't have a product yet, which is which it gives the indication that the the market is hungry for a different solution. That's great to hear. And the second version of the website is live already. Uh, I believe by the time we we yes. we put this out, the, so, landing, uh, the landing page version two, which is it's take a lot of time and effort to make sure that's that's like a glimpse into the future for right. what we are trying to build into the MVP. The, the, the version two will not just have a form like the version one, but it'll have FAQs, it have a description about what we are building, what we are expecting. And, and if, if anyone, it's, it could be like, it's more resources in the web to make sure that this is the future of Visca for the MVP right. and beyond. Yeah, and from what I've seen so far, it looks great. Uh, I hope you have a, a lot of people that land on the new, more improved and more informative landing page and decide to sign up for the newsletter, decide to follow the project, decide to partner as an expert on Visca because it'll only improve the accuracy or the, the value of the product that we end up launching. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the workflow and communication with the team during the discovery and design phase? How do you get on with the team in general? And what were your impressions of working through all these, uh, as you said, intense, deep, 
deep work of discovering what Visa will be and what it can be for your customers? Yeah, it's uh, we we have arranged weekly meetings, um, Zoom meetings on on and schedule. We have to uh, like uh, to schedule that fix it, and we also have the option to add extra meetings per week when we have an extra work that needed to be finished or fi- finalized. In the t- in the same time, we mainly communicate through Slack. Uh, I consider uh, as we are building for the Visca for the remote generation. So Slack is, is will be considered at the headquarter of any business. I mm-hmm. mean, in the old good days, you have to go to the to the main office or the headquarter to communicate. Now we we centralize all our communication uh, through Slack and we use the, the Zoom and Google Meet uh, meetings together. That's that's how things are going. In the same time, we have. I mean, the beauty of the flexibility that we have on dealing with the team, which is uh, find one of the, we can say success story, that we have, we can, we don't stuck to one vision on one idea, or it have to be uh, just one person think and that will not change. No, we keep, we keep, we can say try and error. We have like a couple of certain ideas and then we change it, we test them, and make sure this is what we need to the next step. In the same time, we keep a little bit bracket open so we can add new features on you. Um, uh, we can say enhance during our uh, pre-development phase and even after the development phase because the idea beyond beyond building or, so, or solving the moving or immigration or working remotely problem is it's not just one cornerstone that we will solve and they say, that's it. It, it will be like a learning tool for, for trying to solve more complicated problem for the, whole, for the whole moving or immigration process. Right. And from some of the reading I've done recently, there was an interesting report I found that Pasha Pavel, our product manager, shared with us about startup failure rates and which sorts of startups end up succeeding. And that was that the products and the projects that pivoted several times that were open to changing that initial vision actually had much higher success rates. And products that were very rigid in their approach and said, I want to solve this problem. I'll design this solution. We will sell this solution to the people. They ended up failing at a much higher rate. So it's good to hear that with your team and with our accelerator program, you're able to have that flexibility, make those decisions, test those ideas, and then you know refine Visca down to the best option for you and for your customers. Yeah, that's. I mean, we we currently live on. Uh, you can say on daily changes world. I mean, <laughs> everything you change in daily basis. Whatever you're thinking about, just uh, buying something or moving or traveling to, even in your home country, it's 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 very. It's very challenging time. And if you try to build, um, I don't say long vision, but just in, in before the pandemic, we used to plan for like six months and then 12 months and then a couple of years, short yeah. three to five years. Nowadays, I think if you try to plan for a couple of weeks, that would be amazing. So that's, 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 that's how we can, that I see the beauty of, of the flexibility of the program and dealing with the team understanding that we have not to stuck to one problem or one vision. Even it changed me myself because I've discovered 
with um, some of the inquiries that received of gun actually and talk with the, with the partners and um, and people would like to relocate and try to see how we can when we build the MVP will be able actually help them and I discovered that the market is changing rapidly the needs for a future of work remote working immigration and relocation is getting is 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 in um, and it's a, a speedy process. So you need to make sure that when you design something, it should be flexible. You, sh- you can pivot. You don't have to stick one, one vision, one solution. And you have to keep learning. You will not say, I'm the expert here. I have to build it because I know everything. No, there's no one, even how, how he, is, he have experience into one industry, he can say that, it has to be built by my knowledge. Because if you even build the knowledge during the pre-pandemic, after the pandemic, it's, it's, it, it's like resetting. It's just resetting your phone and starting from scratch. You have a blank screen. Yeah, yeah. The, the problems is totally different. So the solutions have to be thinking outside the box. Otherwise, um, you will fail uh, at the study was shared by Pavel. Right. And it's great to see how your vision for Visca is, is progressing and is evolving through this process. Alex already introduced your Visca to the team of engineers that are going to be working on building it. Uh, what are you looking forward to there and how do you feel about it? Uh, uh, yeah, we, we have already started not the developing itself, but putting we are almost at the end of the discovery phase mm-hmm. and we agree on, on the structure and the look of the development for the MVP. Uh, so the next phase will be getting in touch with the, with the development team and enhance them or introduce them to our vision and how we can put it forward. But then at the same time, we have a tight schedule that will say we will do this in the first week, the second week and so on. So we have a plan to be up and running on eight weeks, and then we have testing phase, and then we can launch it for the public. Sounds great. We are trying to solve a huge problem, and we have to, to start with, with the actual traveler himself, or the immigrant, or the expat, or the, uh, or the, or the remote worker, or the nomad. There is, there, is no, um, there is no one definition that can fit into the the users of the platform. You can you can find like nomads who will who will have like the fast travel, they can stay in the country a couple of weeks and then they move to another country. You can find slow travelers who will stay could be like up to six months in, in different countries. And you can find traditional people who would like to move countries and actually walk in the country. Um, so that's, we are trying to address it from the minimum basic that you need. The first problem that you will find is that who I can trust to ask for advice about moving to a different place. That's the first problem we would like to address and solve. And this could be from perspective from remote worker, from an IMAD, from an investor would like to move to a different country. Every one of them is looking for professional advice. That's the first thing that we have Discover. The second thing is that not all the problems can be solved by lawyers 
or experts or accountants or tax experts. Some of the problems will need someone have done it before. He, doesn't, he, he could not be qualified in this country or this business, but he have enough experience and he will be able to solve the problem on the personal level. That's, that's one of the things that we have discovered during our discovery phase. So we open the partner level a little bit and be able to add more professionals ranging from top tiers, lawyers, attorneys, up to freelancers, experts, tour operators, and even people have done this as the freelancers and would like to help others. I mean, the com- that's way we can build a community around Visca and trying to address the problem from different points. And by the way, it, we are not just aiming for the for the paid version of the service, but there will be like a, a community, an open community, where you can go directly into the website and ask questions. And this question could be answered by anyone, could be answered by a lawyer or could be answered by a freelancer. And with this beauty, with this, you can say, mind meeting into the platform and into the community, we will discover that the experience for the lawyers and experts and the experience from the freelancers is totally different. But when you put them together, you create a full picture, which was missing even during my my experience as a a lawyer or even as an immigrant or traveler. You always look, every one of us look to the solving the problem from one perspective, but he forget about the other perspective. But if we put the two visions together or the two solutions together, we will be able to form a one, a full picture, which is much easier to understand and you can you can build upon it. Right, yeah. And that, that even brings to mind, like right now with the travel restrictions related to COVID and other things that are happening just in this area in Eastern Europe, it's like, I don't even know if I can cross through the border by land to the country that's next to me right now, but I think I can fly there, but that's more expensive than taking a bus. And it's like for little questions like that, people rely on, well, did somebody that I know just go to that city in that country? How did they get by the border? Was it open? Was it not? Um, I don't feel like that's something I need to book an appointment with an immigration lawyer to find out, right? Uh, so right now that gap is sort of being filled by, I don't know, travel forums or Facebook groups and things like that. So I could see definitely the value of having that together on a platform where you could get more in-depth travel advice that, or, or immigration advice that you might need at another time. Um, have you gotten any feedback on Visca yet from either the experts or from travelers? You mentioned that uh, you've been in contact with some of the people that signed up. What's that been like and how has it informed your, your vision for Visa? Yeah, generally from, from the partner's side, I've, I've gotten in touch with, with a couple of inquiries. They are mainly from Singapore, Hong Kong, India, uh, South Africa, uh, Ecuador, I mean, it's, it's it, as you see, it's various countries. And this kind of partners, they act, um, they provide services for the travel industry. They are not 
um, uh, they are not lawyers or experts, but they have access to community in their own countries. And they try to help their, uh, their clients on uh, applying for visas, uh, relocation programs, or understanding the opportunities beyond their home countries. And, and when I try to understand why they sign up for Visca to be a partner, even we don't have anything to offer them, they tell me that they like the idea, they think the vision is different, and we are trying to change the mentality for who can provide the service and how could be provided. They don't, uh, most of them, because you know the, the travel restrictions everywhere, they are trying to find new opportunities which for their own client base and a different ways, even access to different countries. They think now there is, there's, the, the travel is very limited, but it's, I mean, depending on how the pandemic is shaping in a couple of months or a couple of years, there will be travel boom. So mm-hmm. they are planning like us, they are planning like we are building. We are, we don't know where, 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 where things where you can say the travel will come up to 25%, 50, 75, 100%. Some estimated it could, in the current situation, it could go up to 2025. So the people in the industry, whatever they travel or professional services, they're trying to check the waters for other solutions. And, and this is how we are trying to tap into this market and make sure we'll be the leaders. We'll be the first one to make sure that when the, when the market slightly getting back to 25 or 50%, we are ready with a full up and running platform to address the new, the new requirements because the, the travel requirements will be not just about what, which visa I need to travel to X country. You mentioned that, do I need a certificate? Do I need a, 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 a confirmation of vac- vaccination? Do I need a health certificate to, you never know what the future is. Is You can say, you can ask, for example, you can have a, a, a medical certificate from your home country to confirm that you have not been uh, get COVID during the last 12 months. So it's the challenges is creating uh, the a new requirements and mm-hmm. current solutions unfortunately not be able to address it so you need to think not just outside the box just in in the future right. hard. yeah I mean, it's just really hard to predict how how quickly things could bounce back resurge in terms of travel again or go the other way and resurge in terms of more lockdowns and, and things like that hopefully for the positive will, will be what happens. Um, the United Kingdom is both a travel and immigration destination for people all over the world for all sorts of reasons. They want to go there as tourists. They want to emigrate there long term. Uh, for people who, let's say they want to go there long term, they think they could get on to, into the UK using the skilled worker visas. Uh, how can they understand how can they navigate that process? I know that the UK website has a page dedicated to skilled worker visas, but there's still a lot of gray areas there, at least to my mind. Like, how do I know that my education certificate matches up with what they expect? 
maybe their professional certificates are different. Say if you're, I don't know, an electrician somewhere else in the world, does your certificate match what the UK certificate requires for the skilled worker visa? Can you speak on that a little bit? And how can people navigate this decision to understand whether they can get this visa or not? Generally, the UK immigration have been changed because of the Brexit. And Mm -hmm. in order to uh, satisfy the need for the UK workforce, uh, the UK government have introduced a new type of visa that was not there before that allow non-UK nationals to come to the UK to, there's two, you can say we can put them into two categories to make them a little bit uh, easier to understand. The first one that you have a sponsor, you have a company that's based Mm -hmm. in the UK and they would like to hire you to work in the UK. For example, you get a, a job at a startup, uh, it could be Visca, and we would like to hire you from uh, from East Europe or from US or Canada, whatever, and you would like to bring you in the UK. The first thing that this company of the startup need to have license, it's called Certificate of Sponsorship, mm-hmm. and this license have to be uh, approved by the Home Office, to bring non-UK nationals to work in the UK. Once the company have the license and they they gone through a, a certain um, a process, um, how much he will pay, the kind of contract, um, you didn't find someone with the same experience or the same knowledge for, the, for this job title in the UK, then I can bring uh, the foreign worker or non-UK to come and work for the for. For my for for the UK company or the UK startup, that's the the easiest and and straightforward. You actually, okay. yes. Can I can I just ask you a follow up on that? Like hypothetically, if if say I wanted to come and work for you at Visca, uh, what's the time frame on that process though? Because it sounds pretty rigorous. Um, let's say you didn't have that sponsorship status as a company before. Uh, you opened up a global opening, I apply, you realize, oh crap, I can't just hire John and bring him to the UK next week. I have to get my company certified to do this. What, what does that time frame look like and how rigorous and drawn out is the process? Normally from applying to the application until you'll be able to receive the feedback, it could take from eight to 12 weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is depending on a, I know if um, that without any lockdowns or any, you can say, uh, unusual restrictions. Right. If, if the company is up and running and have all the documents ready, you can get the certificate of sponsorship and then I can sponsor you, uh, the uh, non-UK national, to come and work in the UK. So it's average. Some companies can take more time on some individuals. For example... The, the whole process could be finished in eight weeks, but mm-hmm. your application could take more time if you have previous UK immigration, um, if you have a history in the UK. Uh, it could be good. If you have a very good immigration history in the UK, you can come much faster. If you have, if you, if you for a problem, if you overstay a visa before or have any, uh, or, or, or been denied for any reason, that actually would take longer. So the company is the first process and then the individuals. And both of them could be changing depending how company is ready and how the individual is ready. 
but at least that will take the headache out of the process that the company will do everything on your behalf. And what we are building for Visca, that we will partner with the company and tell them, we will do all this on your behalf. You don't have to go look for for lawyers or advisors to process your application. We will do this in the platform. You can upload the documents, you can check it and process it. We'll provide you with much better rates than anyone else. And then when the individual or yourself would like to come to the UK, you can even use Visca as a user who will be whatever through the company or yourself. And then you will you will be able to track how much time it will take you and what what kind of fees that expecting. Because always in the immigration, there is three sides of the story. There is government fees and mm-hmm. then, then professional fees and then there are hidden fees. Right. We're trying to make these hidden fees as clear as possible and the right. professional fees and the government fees. All right. So that is the side of the story for skilled worker visas from a, gov- or, uh, a company-sponsored side. You said there was a second uh, category for that? There is, there is different opportunities that for highly skilled worker uh, who are have, we can say, at least a master's degree or PhD, and they have enough experience and qualification to say that they, they don't need someone to sponsor them in the UK. They can prove that they are highly uh, experienced and skilled, and then they come to the UK to look for a job, which is, we can say, it's similar to the Canadian program like the Express Entry, where the government, you, you are sponsored by yourself. When the government allow you to sponsor yourself, and then you come to the UK and look for a job. Here, you don't have a company, you don't have a job offer, but everything will be based on the individuals. If we're taking the same example that we have done for the first phase, that Alex yourself would like to come to the UK. And the first thing uh, we will, um, you, you, uh, um, you ask Visca to handle everything in your behalf. The first mm-hmm. thing that we will ask you to send your CV and immigration history. And from this information, we will build a list of documents, read it, to be ready to make sure that you will be qualified enough and then we can start your application on your behalf. We will be able to know that your master's degree or the qualification or your English language level is what needed on no. And that will take a lot of headache from your side. You know, as we discussed that, how much you will pay, what time expected. And if anything is missing in your application, we will note this from day one. You don't have yeah. to wait a couple of months just going back and forth, back and forth, trying to understand the whole picture. But we will make it very clear and simple to understand from day one. We'll put you in touch with a qualified lawyer, if you can verify, to handle the application and moving to the next step. Yeah, and it's definitely easy to, to miss some small document uh, from the individual side when you're trying to figure this stuff out alone, even with the help of of a professional sometimes. But a visa is only one part of the whole relocation process. And in the UK's case, there's also an obligatory healthcare payment. They have another webpage about this on their their, uh, government website. 
And it also strikes me as having some sort of gray areas. I don't know how much I have to pay up front, how much I have to pay in total, depends on how long I'm there, depends on how much of the year I actually spend within the UK. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? And how would Visca help an immigrant who has a plan to, to be in the UK, whether it's for studying or whether it's for longer-term relocation, how can they figure this out through Visca in your eyes? Uh, we, we, we've mentioned that for applying for a visa, there's three fees, government, mm -hmm. professional, and hidden fees. The health care um, uh, fees or the, you can say the, the medical cost is, is, is something that you have to pay for, for the UK government directly on top of the government fees. So we will include this at uh, the government fees as one. It's, it's not one fixed fee. It's depending on how long your visa or how long is your the kind of visa that you're applying to come to the UK. We will have like, there is a UK government calculator, but it's not that easy to understand. We will try to make another version on, on, on Visca that you can be able to use the government, um, you can be able to know how much exactly you will pay depending on your visa and length of stay. Mm -hmm. One of the complex things that make, make um, immigrants just try to figure how much they will pay, that you have to pay this visa fees before applying to the visa. Right. So if you are applying for five years, you have to make sure that you are satisfied the five years. That's the first thing. And then you have to multiply this number by if you're applying with a family or you're applying with, with a, your partner, you need to make sure that you double this price time two or time how many people are joining with, with your visa as, as a family or dependent or, uh, or the partner. So you need to make sure this kind of information. The, but in the same time, you have like a protection side for... God forbid, if, if anything happened and your visa been denied or rejected, this health fees will be totally refunded to you. Right. But that's still like, that, that's a solid chunk of change to, to pay up front uh, on the off chance that, hey, your plans change, there's a new round of lockdowns. You know, so many things can throw off uh, as we talked about earlier, so some plan for five years is, is a bit unrealistic right now. Let's talk a little bit about the electronic visa waiver. Uh, there are certain countries, certain citizens can get this electronic visa waiver for the UK. Uh, what countries are those and what has this visa waiver been made to do, basically? This, this one of the visas or the, one of the e-visas that's not very popular in the UK, it's not, it's not all the, all the uh, it's, uh, it's not very well known, but I, I can tell you it's, um, it's similar to uh, e-visas in other countries, but it's only for uh, four nationals and all of them are, are, are the Middle East. They are Kuwait citizens, Oman, Qatar and United Arab Emirates. Mm -hmm. And you have to have to be a you have to be national. You have to be. You have to hold the passport with the citizenship of these countries. Mm -hmm. You can be resident United Arab Emirates, and you can say, "I would like to use the electronic visa waiver." 
it's have an abbreviation with EVW, okay? And uh, you must pay 30 English pounds, sterling pound for this. And uh, you must apply between three months and 48 hours before you travel. It allow you to visit the UK up to six months for tourism, business study, or medical treatment. If you have any reasons, other reasons visiting the UK, you'll not be able to use this visa and you need to apply a visa at the UK embassy in your home country or country of residence. So right. what, what can I tell you? That the first thing, you need to be a national or citizen of the four countries, which is Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, United Arab Emirates. You can be a resident in this country. You can be Oman citizen, but live in France and use the visa. You don't have to live in one of the countries, but you have to be citizenship or national. You have to prove like a passport from this country. That's the first mm -hmm. thing. You can come to visit a business meeting, a, a medical uh, uh, meeting, but um, for up to six months. For anything else, you need to apply for a normal visa. And you have to apply uh, for this visa three months, um, maximum, minimum up to 48 hours before coming to the UK. And it's valid only for one time. It's not multiply entry. You just go to the website, you press pay, and we will include these features in our platform because it's finding this kind of visas and eligibility is a little bit hassle. We will have the option after the MVP that you can say, I'm a citizen of United Arab Emirates and I'm visiting the UK. You will have this option. You will have the uh, um, uh, ability to apply direct from our, uh, from Visca directly to the government website. And then you can fill the form, pay the 30 sterling pound and get the visa printed out and fly to the UK. This kind of information, it, it's not, uh, we can say, available to everywhere. We will try to find the hidden um, uh, easy way of applying to different visas and make it as, as popular as much as we can. Sure. I mean, people should be able to use any opportunities they have to, to get where they want to go. The one question I had about this is said that, and you mentioned it as well, uh, you can come there for business travel, but you can't work. This seems a bit contradictory. Say I'm from uh, United Arab Emirates and my company has an office in London. What, what qualifies as work? If I come to a, a quarterly meeting, it's a business travel thing. Or if I come and work from the office in London for three months and I'm going there every day, is that working in the UK? How, how do they look at that? I mean, what I can tell you, this is one of the misunderstandings that happen not just in the UK, but many countries. That there is difference between traveling for work or actually travel to get to be employed by a company mm -hmm. in another country. Let's use the same example. Alex is um, is a citizen of United Arab Emirates and he used the, uh, the electronic visa web, um, application to get into the UK and he have a business meeting. He can go to our uh, office in London and then we can meet together, okay? You can stay there, you can work. We will not say work actually, but you can stay in the office 
and do whatever you wish. There's no restrictions. But we will not be able to employ, employ, um, we will not be able to hire you as a part-time or full-time or even a freelancer. We're not able to treat you as a UK resident. Mm-hmm. That's, that's different. In order for us or you to be employed by a UK company and work for the UK company, you need to go through one of the two things that we have discovered discussed earlier, which the company can sponsor you or you apply for a visa to come to look for work. So you can have a business meeting, you can have an interview even for a job in the UK, but you're not to um, uh, stay, you have to travel back to your home country and then apply for a different visa. You can do, you can attend business shows, you can, you can give, uh, you can give like, you, I mean, anything that related to business you can do, but you'll not be able to actually work as employee for a business. You'll not be able right. to hire you directly and you stay in the UK and you consider yourself UK resident. No, you'll not be able to do this. And that's the difference between a business meeting and work. The word work, you can actually do uh, one-off work, but you, you will still be employed by your own country, not directly uh, employed by uh, the company itself. Yeah, I guess I get it. Um, how does it, where do uh, freelancers fall on that uh, spectrum then? How, how does that work? Say that Alex from, from United Arab Emirates is a freelance designer. He's got gigs with companies all over the world, uh, but he comes to the UK, meets with some new clients, Maybe he wants to meet them face-to-face and they bring him on as a freelancer. Is there anything there he should be worried about? Should he, how, how should he handle that relationship? I mean, he can actually use the visa to travel and meet them, mm-hmm. but they will not be able to pay him as a UK resident or UK, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as a UK worker, we can say. I mean, the, the agreements have to be done between himself as a freelancer on uh, on um, at the at the resident of United Arab Emirates, and mm-hmm. then the payments have to go through the United Emirates, not in the UK bank. Even if he have a UK bank, if he violate his visa terms, that could lead to uh, serious problems. If he would like to come back to the UK, sounds complicated. But no, that's why we're making. We, we are yeah. to help. I mean, that's that's that's. <laughs> you can say it's like. Uh, that's we will try to make things much more simple when yeah. we have the platform up and running and we we will see a, a different sort of problems the word work is that you can actually visit and do business meetings but you're not able to work in this company as an em- employer as a resident in this country and this is different and this kind of differentiate is is not very well known and it could give uh, uh, much problems and complicated for people who are just uh, crossing borders for different reasons. We try to make this as simple as it and give this knowledge back to, to the public, which is, which is not, uh, not very well known right now. For sure. And it sounds like that is one of, because of the way that our work relationships are changing in terms of globally, in terms of freelance, in terms of working for one company in another country, these things get complicated quickly. And it seems like the visa system of each individual country is is playing catch up to a certain extent and definitely is behind 
the trends of change in the work environment and the work relationship. So that's why Visa is going to be very helpful for people who want to do these things and, and go work somewhere else. What can you say in general about immigration and emigration uh, to and from the UK, let's say post-Brexit, if, even if we take out the pandemic issues that obviously change things a lot, um, is it increasing? What kind of people are interested in going to the UK now that it's not part of the EU anymore? And what types of folks tend to leave the UK in search of new opportunities somewhere else? I mean, after, after the Brexit, any UK national or citizenship, uh, he, if he would like to, he would be able to visit all the European countries as a visitor for up to 90 days. Mm-hmm. And he can stay, he can do business meeting, he can, uh, for pleasure, for medical, for family reasons. But if he would like to stay beyond the 90 days, he will not be able to use the EU law uh, that was there before. He considered now as a third national. Third national, that means that he, any UK national is like an American or Canadian or Australian national. You have to go through different visa um, uh, options available inside each country. There is no one visa for all. You have to apply in certain countries. For example, I'll give you, uh, I have an experience in dealing with uh, in Germany. Germany. If, for example, he is visiting Berlin and he stayed for uh, 80 days and he would like to extend, he can apply for a, a certain visa that allow him to extend his stay inside Germany. And this will only apply to the German authorities. It's not EU-wide. So each country right. will have different visas. Uh, I cannot say that uh, the UK nationals will be... Uh, de- uh, they don't have a special status in the EU anymore. They have to follow the same guidelines like other non-EU nationals on all the EU countries. It's, it's not... Some countries is not that complicated, like Spain, Portugal... But you have to know the rules before applying. Some countries allow you to extend your visa or stay during your stay in the country. Mm-hmm. And some other countries tell you, no, you can extend beyond the 90 days. You have to leave the country, or we can say it, it's called the Schengen zone, and then yeah. come back with a different visa to be considered as a long-term uh, resident. And this kind of differentiation we will make sure that we will address this problem with the, with the Visca platform. All right. So the 90 days is EU-wide, right? But the going beyond the 90 days to go on to a, a specific visa, that is down to the individual country. Yes, right. that, that's one thing. What, what I can add on top of this, the 90-day rules, like I, I can give you like example. You, you, me, I'm Mohammed, I UK national. I'm traveling to tomorrow to buy fly to Paris. I, when I get into the, the airport, they stamp my passport as entering into the Schengen uh, zone. So I come at the first of the uh, months. I'll be able to travel inside the um, all the EU Schengen zone freely. I don't have to be stamped again. I can travel uh, whatever uh, by by train, by bus, or by air. And then before the 90 days expire, I have to leave the Schengen. 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, I could get penalty. I could ban. I can have problems. So I need actually to leave the Schengen zone on the uh, on, before the 19 days. And uh, I, um, the EU authorities is very it checking it on days because you have to get a stamp in and out. So if right. you stay in France for 30 days and then go to Germany, Croatia, and then uh, Greece, and then Portugal and whatever, and then so I have to leave. For example, my, my last country was Portugal. I have to leave from Portugal to outside the Schengen zone before the 90 days run up. And I will not be able to do this during 180 days. So I cannot fly back. For example, um, um, uh, I cannot f- fly from uh, from the Schengen zone f- to Ukraine, for example, which is non-Schengen Uh, zone country, and then I fly back instant. No, I have to stay out for at least 90 days. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's changed a lot of plans for UK citizens. I know that people love to retire to Portugal, to, to Spain. It's warm there, you know, the weather's nice. Um, but what about people coming into the UK? How has what are the trends post-Brexit? Are people still, is it still a destination for people? What's going on there? I mean, right now in the UK, well, Adam mentioned that the immigration uh, um, scale is is totally under a lot of development and a lot of changes. One of the easiest visas or the easiest route for EU nationals to come to the UK is to prove that they are highly skilled enough and they will be able to uh, look for a job if, if they are looking for a job, that one thing. But in the same time, if they would like to stay more than the, uh, I mean, the, the UK is, is more, I mean, they give EU nationals to stay up to 180 days, not 90 days. So uh-huh. they can stay up to 180 days, but they have the same restrictions like, other nationals. They not be able to, they can do interviews, but they will not be able to actually apply for jobs. They can do business meetings, but they not be able to work for other companies while they in the UK. You have, they have to be done and contracted and paid by their home countries. So they have to make sure that they are not violating or doing anything against their visa, their visit visa uh, rules. They don't have to apply for visa, but they will get, uh, they will be checked. They can ask a couple of questions when they come into the UK. Why are you coming here? How much is time you will stay? And where are you coming back? So, and when you're flying back out of the UK. There is a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurs. There is something called UK Startup Visa. If anyone, EU, EU nationals, would like to start a, um, a, a company in the UK that could be considered a startup, they can apply for this visa. And there's different routes and, and capitalists which we can we can we can explain in different um, um, uh, in the in our next show. Sure. Yeah.